Go for it. Good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever the heck in the world you are. Guys, what's going on? It's V the Gorilla Economist coming to you live with CJ. He's in the background making sure that this broadcast is coming out crystal clear. He's working the delithium crystals and the flux capacitors <laughs> to make sure the airwaves are smooth. Uh, we have a special guest for you today. Uh, it's none other than Monica Perez. And if you don't know who Monica Perez is, she's a rising star in the freedom and libertarian movement. Uh, she has an awesome radio show that's broadcast out of Atlanta. And uh, you can find her work on MonicaPerezShow.com, as well as her YouTube channel, Monica Perez. And she does a lot of work with our buddy, Jeff Berwick, the at Anarchist. She's done a couple of interviews there, as well as uh, being somebody who promotes Anarchapolco and the whole anarchist, uh, the, you know, anti-statist mindset, which we at Rogue Money are all about. Uh, Monica was born in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, <laughs> where you at? And raised in the suburbs of New York City, she grew up the youngest of nine kids in a blue-collar Roman Catholic family and is now the mother of one daughter and two sons. Monica's worked as a waitress before and during college, received several general scholarships that allowed her to transfer from community college to Harvard. She's earned an associate's degree in liberal arts from Rockland Community College, a bachelor's degree from Harvard University with a concentration in economics, law degree from Stanford Law School, and a master's in business administration from Stanford Graduate School of Business. Monica is a, is a chartered financial analyst and a member bar of, and the member of the bar of the state of New York. She has worked as a commercial banker and an investment banker, among other things, as an anarcho-capitalist, which is awesome, extreme libertarian for those that don't know. Monica is a proponent of the Austrian economics, amen to that, and an uncompromising defender of personal liberty. Monica, in other words, you are an overall 100% badass. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's funny you say all that stuff, but really, the majority of my time I spend picking up dog poop and making lunches for my kids. <laughs> like I, you know, it's that uh, paradox. Like if you, you do all that stuff, you come out of the box swinging, and then uh, life hits you and you realize what, you know, what you have to make time for, what your priorities are in the yeah. short run anyway. But yeah. I think I would absolutely go out of my mind if I didn't engage intellectually on all these matters, both like right. the deep stuff, the theory stuff and the current events and how, you know, because when you do have kids, you no longer, you can't, I used to be on the thousand year plan. I was like, yeah, Humanity will be ready for volunteerism eventually. And then I was like, right. oh, crap. Like, my kids have to live through those thousand years. Like, no, no, no. We need to at least kick the can down the road, try to put some brakes on here. Or, or uh, if, if anything, let's just at least, although I am an anarcho-capitalist, I think it would be good to preserve the Bill of Rights for as long as possible. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you on that. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at the, the mundanities that we have to do in day-to-day -day life, and then you think about all the things that we're doing intellectually – uh, to really push these ideas to the forefront and to germinate these ideas in the minds of men and women everywhere. Uh, it, it truly is like a Clark Kent Superman type role, you know? <laughs> well, somebody has to do it. I mean, I really, I worry because I, I feel like, especially what um, goes on today in the in the news, and I, I for a couple of years now, it, it took, once I started doing radio, which I was, you know, billed as hardcore libertarian and that's what I am. But when you really start digging into the news, yeah. you realize there's, uh, you know, so much BS there. Like I, I used to think that the government was just theoretically had a conflict of interest with the people. And then I saw they actually, uh, certain elements, the most powerful ones, I think, actively work against peace and prosperity so that they retain a purpose. And 
when you see that, and then, so I would start to peel the onion and see what was going on. I could really bring some insight into what was really going on. And then 2016 happened and I was like, man, did I peel the onion too far? Did I not peel it enough? Like I did not (laughs) see that coming. So now I'm starting to wonder, like, is there any, you know, I realize, I think the internet, which, uh, you know, is a tool of the state is also a possible tool for us to fight back. And what they're probably doing is just overwhelming us with info, misinfo, disinfo so that we can't be effective. But, you know, I start to get a little disheartened that, that, you know, what, what's the right path. So that's why right now I've decided to regroup, take a step back and just say, Hey, I don't know what's up with this guy. I don't know if it's real or fake, if it's a psyop or what, but I'm going to hold the standard of the bill of rights up to everything that comes down the pipe. And it doesn't matter what's really going on. If we, and we can all agree on it. That's why it's good. That was written down on a piece of paper. We can all agree on it and let's stick to that because I really, I feel like our our efforts, we're all putting a lot of effort in and, uh, and you know, I hope they're not wasted. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, uh, I mean, looking at the information that's coming out on a day-to-day basis, looking at everything that's occurring globally, geopolitically, there is a paradigm shift, and there's a massive, massive paradigm shift that is occurring. Um, I mean, to really begin to change this whole thing, you know, we could look at it abroad, look at it internationally. Uh, that's where, you know, the rest of the world started waking up, started realizing, wait a minute, uh, you guys want us to uh, maintain the dollar as world reserve currency. You guys want to keep the hegemon of the petrodollar. You guys want to keep uh, you 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 want to you, you want us to utilize you as the importer of last resort, wherein we hold U.S. Treasury notes as a reserve, and then we uh, reinvest into your markets. But wait a minute, you guys are devaluing your currency. Wait a minute, you guys are spending money like a drunken sailor on shore leave, you know, ruining the value of what we hold. This is ridiculous. And then the world began to switch away from that, specifically led led by what I call the Sino uh, the Sino Russian nexus, and. Um, now the U.S. is pretty much on the outside looking in. We're, we're, you know, and then the deep state itself that you often talk about, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, it is a clash. There's some sort of internal war going on. And, Monica, there's so much information coming out every second. It's like, wow, what's disinfo? What's truth? I've never seen it like this intense before. No, and I would say it's possible that all that you describe is true, and even that is just you know, the first or second layer of the onion, that ultimately what you're talking about is an intentional restructuring yeah. of the monetary regime, that that even if Russia and the U.S. go to war, even that, I mean, that's how you change monetary regimes, is that kind of massive conflict that they don't care about because, of course, all wars are bankers' wars. So it, so what I look, and I think, are are, are we and Russia getting into this with full knowledge of where it's headed and and for this small elite group that really has no loyalty to the nations they came from, yeah. you know, I, so like when you say U.S. versus other people, maybe it truly is like the classic conspiracy theory, this, this international elite that is is um, doesn't care about de-industrializing the West or building up the East because ultimately they just want... Um, convergence so that they can run it from the top. I mean, is that too far down the rabbit hole? I mean, I don't think it's too far down the rabbit hole at all. I mean, I have a good buddy of mine who's you know, served in the intelligence services for many decades, served under Reagan, uh, was very instrumental in the takedown of the Soviet Union in the, in the, in the late 80s. 
Uh, he ran the whole – he was one of the guys who uh, ran the whole entire ruble uh, hyperinflation scheme that helped, you know, crash the Russian economy. Yes. Uh, and uh, one of the things that he said is, like, he's like, v, these groups of people, these guys, they go way back. He's like, you know, after they wrecked Rome, they picked up shop. They went over to England. They wrecked England. Now they picked up <laughs> shop, and they came to the U.S. So he goes, he's the now Venetian. Like, yeah. he's the Venetians. You know, I, it's so funny. I, I, my spectrum of conspiracy theories yeah. is, like, you can read, is, like, from the Venetians to the Venusians. Like, it's either <laughs> lizard people <laughs> or like the or original international bankers and everybody in between from the Queen of England to Israel to the Russian yeah. oligarchs, wherever it falls in. And I, and I wonder sometimes if the people who uh, created the monetary system in, in Italy were the ones who, who, who kept it forever or like uh, if John D. Rockefeller, who yeah. basically, you know, kind of tried to monopolize oil, saw what was coming and, and set it up. So that he he could kind of control it from the grave in perpetuity through foundations and think tanks and stuff. So, but it's interesting that you had a friend who, uh, you know, anytime I hear somebody who's been in intelligence for decades, unless you really know them personally, it's, you know, people like email me and stuff. I want to be on my show. Oh, I want to tell you what's really going on. I'm like, you're totally, you're an operative. (laughs) I'm not talking to you. It's like, I've been on Fox and like, that's why I'm not talking to you. (laughs) You you read the book by uh, uh, the, the, the Murder on the Orient Express? Well, I, I, with it. Yeah, I, I definitely saw the movie a couple of times. Well, you know, if you remember the whole story, right, it, it's like the way I describe this whole globalist mm-hmm. cabal, it's like the murder on the Orient Express. These guys want to kill human individual liberty and freedom. And so Monsieur Perot, the detective, he's on the he's on the train and he's in, interviewing every single suspect. Yes. And he realizes every single person has a, motive, <laughs> has a motive to kill the guy. I know. It's so... It's really um, the the one thing that I think you can kind of, or I feel like it has to be true, is that the people who want to kill individual liberty want to kind of morph us from this uh, rules-based, a bill of rights, all that kind of stuff, into this hierarchical, the masses, make sure the cars are driverless and the, and the oh. arable land is all gobbled up. They must think that, they're basically a different species and that they're going to maintain that distinction forever. You yeah. know, I mean, why would you set up a world like that for your own kids? I, I feel like they feel like they, they must think they can keep it contained or that their name is the legacy. They don't even care about their own children. They just want to make sure that it's, you know, uh, whatever, Tudor land or whatever <laughs> the world is called. You know, I mean, that's the Gulf, thing. The land of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, because they're but because we're it, it defies humanity. It defies the fact that we all have this basic, uh, you know, drive for liberty, dignity, you know, the nobility of man. It's it really shows a contempt for our for our um, you know dignity, if nothing else. You know, I, I was reminded of one thing: uh, the name of the Rothschild guy who committed suicide. Excuse me, uh, what do you remember that guy, man? I the guy don't. who was a Russian spy? No, he was a Rothschild. I'm looking it up right it now. Was Rothschild, Rothschild who was a Russian, was a communist spy. This, and then Wilbur Ross, of course. The, the Rothschild, that's who it is. Uh, it was, it was, it was, yeah. Uh, I'm sure Mayor James Rothschild. He killed he was, himself? Yeah, he killed himself. He, he killed himself in uh, 96. He didn't kill himself. He, they, they hung him from this, uh, in France, in his, in his son. Um, I'm sorry, in, in France, they hung him with his feet still 
touching the floor. There's a lot of symbology there. And one of the things that um, that Amshel Mayor J- James Rothschild has uh, – he was actually good friends with the same buddy of mine who served in intelligence. Um, his – you know, he was a – he has a degree in MIT, and him and um, – his his uh his mentor, so to speak, were in a lab when, you know, uh, Amschel kept telling him, hey, you know, since I was young, you know, my 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 parents and my family, they've always ingrained in our head that we are not quite human, that we are, um, uh, separate, that we're we're special, we're different, and uh, one of the th- and he's like, I'm I, I've known a lot of the evils that my family has has done. Uh, I want to come clean. I want to come out. I want to blow the lid off this whole entire thing. And uh, and he kept saying that, you know, I keep being told that I'm not fully human. I'm not fully human. I'm not fully human. And to test it out, my, you know, my, you know, friend, um, him and his, uh, at that time, his, 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 his senior colleague uh, took a blood test and they took his blood and they actually ran through a spectrometer. Uh, where they were able to zoom in very high-powered. I mean, there's a whole litany of science breakdown that he spoke to me about that, you know, he speaks as a physicist. And and, and when, you, when you get deep on stuff like that, I'm like, okay, you obviously can't repeat those things unless you actually worked with those things. Right, you know? right, yes. That I wonder sometimes. I'm like, wow, exactly. it really does. I look it up, and I'm like, boy, what he just said is true. He must be for real. No, exactly. I'm, I'm hanging on your every word. Keep going. Yeah, so so he they were able to, you know, z- zoom in so much where they're actually looking at the blood. They're looking at the 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 uh this almost like a for lack of a better word, almost like a, like a DNA structure. And within the the two strands of the helix, he sees like a, a, a almost like a worm going back and forth between the two the helical structures back and forth. And, and they were like wondering what the hell that is. And they get closer. It's an actual, like an, like a filament that's allowing going back and forth. And they've never seen that before the, you know, the in humanity, you don't see it, uh, but they see it with these guys and, and, it, and they were baffled to say the least. I mean, he has his own theories about it. Um, but you know, uh, he was baffled to say none the least. And, and this is something that was a unique trait that they have because they believe they're not, from here, they believe that you know they call us the apes, so to speak, and hence they're they're. So is this uh, written down movie. anywhere? Can I uh, can I get the backstory yeah, yeah, I'll, on I'll, this? I'll, yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll send you the. Uh, uh, I'll, so, you know, right after we're done with the show, I'll, I'll send, when we're off the air, I'll, I'll give you the 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 thing that he wrote, and he wrote he written it through a third party, so he wouldn't have his name tied back to it, and I could even get you in touch with the gentleman who actually performed the test. And uh, well, you could see his credentials. Like, there's you know, a so- crazy story, or it sounded completely crazy to me, but it just dead ends. So it's not like a psyop that has some lasting yeah. impact, like we need to go to war with the aliens. There's a guy, Jeffrey Allen Lash, in mm-hmm. Pacific Palisades or Malibu. Did you hear about this guy a couple of years ago? Who no. he um he was found on the side of the road. We we're so, I thought I was going too far down the rabbit hole to say there was like <laughs> a cabal in charge. We're immediately <laughs> jumped the shark as far as rabbit holes go. This guy, Jeffrey Allen Lash, was found on the side of the road rotting in his car, corpse. Wow. And he had told his girlfriend, uh, I I am a hybrid, a human alien hybrid. I, I am a government basically experiment. I got this horrible like sickness or radiation poison or something. Um, I'm dying and there's nothing I can do, but what you need to do is just leave me in the car and leave town and, and someone will come get me. They're, they're aware of me. They will just clean this up, get out of town. So she disappears for two weeks. Nobody finds 
him. And I guess maybe she came back and called the cops when she saw his body there. And, uh, and he had apparently gone to local restaurants. He would only eat raw meat, um, this kind of stuff. So I was like, yeah, right, whatever. That's just a story. However, in his apartment or in his house in Pacific Palisades, there were hundreds of guns and weird vehicles, amphibious vehicles, ammunition, just huge amounts of stuff, all legal and registered, which is actually impossible, according to the laws of California, to stockpile guns like that. You can't. Unless you can't. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's the craziest thing. So you read it, and then the only follow-up story there ever was, I don't know if it was in Vanity Fair or something, it was some real publication, you know, whatever, mainstream media, real fake news, whatever. And, uh, and, and it was just the, the only follow-up story was like this massive whitewash that was like, oh, there's a reason for all of this stuff. And it's like, wow, if you hadn't even, if you hadn't done the whitewash, I would have ignored the whole story. Sure. So that, that's just one story I simply cannot reconcile with anything. I, I mean, I hate to go all the way down. I, I can't go all the way down that rabbit hole where you start talking about aliens and stuff. However, yeah. it's a crazy, it's a, it's a story worth just putting in the back of your you know, brain and who knows what'll come up eventually, but you yeah, gotta look totally. at Jeffrey Allen Lash. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I definitely will. I mean, I mean, it, it, there's something going on. This, that's for sure. And I think this whole alien thing is, I think there's a deception in that in and of itself with that whole concept. Uh, one of the things my buddies also said to me is something that they've known for a while. And uh, when he explained it to me and he actually showed me the physical proof, I was actually in California. I was with my business partner from uh, from Hong Kong and uh, we were sitting in a hotel. Uh, we had two other gentlemen there and literally he busted out a piece of, of paper, not a paper, and, and a piece of evidence that number one, he solidified his bona fides, number one. And number two, uh, it had to do with the with the lunar structure itself. And when he brought out the evidence that he traveled on the plane for, because he knew he knew I was going to be in Cali, and he's like, "All right, I'm, I'm coming to meet you." And he flew in from you know he flew in from the, the Pacific Northwest, and immediately came down uh, to to California to meet up with me. And he said, "Look, I got I got a special treat for you." And this is something that he got from from from. Uh, oh, I can't even go. I'll tell you even when we're off the air. But <laughs> wow, deep stuff. When I when I saw it, I fell over backwards. And it's absolutely true. The freaking moon—it's—it's it's been parked there. It's—it's it, it, it's in an artificial orbit. It doesn't rotate. You know, NASA like two, three. But years what it ago, does is it. it rotates and revolves at the exact same time, right? So you can never see the back, which is. Kind of uh, weird. No, it's complete. No, it's completely stationary. It doesn't move at all. It do, see, doesn't how move. How can we verify stuff like that? My husband said I quite said at a party once. Yeah. That I, you know, I just. I have no way of verifying the moon landing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, dude, that is not, you can't make a comment like that in polite society. Like you just, no, that's you, not, you, it's not okay. You can't say, and a guy was there who actually, the reason my husband brought it up is because a guy was there who worked for NASA. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? Like these people are going to be running and screaming. But right. when I asked them, you know, how do you verify that? And I have a friend who did some, it was a, t- a tra- like a, an exchange teacher in, yeah. in Ukraine. And she said, as a rule, I mean, those people do not believe in the moon landing. Like in Russia, like the vast majority, nobody believes in the moon landing. Nobody believes in it. <laughs> nobody believes in it. Except us. <laughs> I don't know if I do. I mean, I don't, I, I, I think it's there. They need to prove it to me. And I have not, I do not feel proven. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't buy a lot of it either. I think the earlier missions were possibly even frauds. And I don't think See, we need I, I didn't know this about you. I didn't know how, how. 
deep your rabbit yeah. hole is. <laughs> oh, I mean, we, we touch all subject basics. Everything's connected, man. I mean, you know, economics runs everything. I mean, even religion. I mean, religion is what? It's economics applied to politics. Monica, welcome to Rogue Money. I've got yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, wait, you just blew my mind. I need that mind vitamin again. What? Economics? Religion Econo- is politics. Yeah, religion, re- uh, economics runs everything. And, uh, and religion is, organized religion is simply economics applied to politics. That's all it is. That's all it is. Organized religion is, you got to flesh that out for me. Yeah, well, if you look at organized religion, right? Yeah. It, it's existence like any sort of uh, bureaucracy. Yeah. We, like, let's take it. Let's well, let's take into the matter like the the, the first century Christian church. Okay, right. the first century Christian church followed a very uh, Hebraic, um, um, you know, ancient Near Eastern uh, structure where it's kind of like a circle where everybody kind of shares. It's smaller groups. Uh, everybody you know gives. Everybody. It's it's almost like mm-hmm. a collective. It's you yeah. know it's very giving that that whole nine yards. And it wasn't until Christianity began to spread into the Western Hemisphere that that we had this this Greek structure, which is the Greek pyramidal structure, where you have the the pastor and the clergy up top, and then everybody skirts from the bottom. So now we've created a corporate structure. Okay, well, you that could all, existed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've got two things to say, which I'm not sure is fleshing your point out, but I think it's interesting and relevant. One is that. Um, I read a great, like a potboiler philosopher, like a, a history for the common people from like a hundred years ago, which now would be not for the common people because of the dumbing down. But he said it was um, Will Durant. He pointed yeah. out that the Christian church, like the monasteries and stuff like that were platonic, that they were instead of like the individualism of Aristotle, that Christianity and kind of the Venetians, they say, you know, kind of um, embraced that that they had that kind of philosopher king thing where like all the you know it wasn't like you raised your own kids or anything like you took you'd sent your boys to this thing and they did the job that was suited to the community they they obeyed the smarter people rose to the top but um on a more and i i'm not a platonist because he was the collectivist the original collectivist somewhere of aristotle but as an anarcho-capitalist i try to point out to people um that now, I'm not saying it, there's no abuse of power or I'm in favor of it or not in favor of it, but as an example, I see that when you try to tell people that the modern state is not necessary, it's like talking to people in the Middle Ages, from what I've read, about yeah. God. Like, they they can't question <laughs> the existence of God. They could not question it. It was something right. just like, oh, my gosh, you're an idiot. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not an answer. I'm, you know, I might be an idiot. You're a heretic. <laughs> right. So, so I'm a heretic. I'm a sta- modern state heretic. But... I try to point out to them, look at the Catholic Church, for example, and maybe all churches, I don't know, but the Catholic Church is a billion people, more than a billion people. Yeah. What are the two things government's for? Behavior and taking care of each other or whatever. So the Catholic Church it has voluntary behavior control and voluntary taxation. It's yep. super, super rich. And people give it to it voluntarily. Like it's an example of how... Uh, you know, an organization that does not use force. It uses psychological tactics. But uh, anyway, I'll have to I'll have to reflect more on your on your. Um... Yeah, when you look at like look at organized religion, that's a perfect example. Look at the Catholic Church. What is it? It's really economics applied to politics. Religion is a form of control, right? Yeah. Like I'm I'm a spiritual person, you know. I, I, I mean, it's I'm a good. A I mean, it can, it can be good. Like yeah. <laughs> you kind of want people to control themselves. That's right. a good thing. Right. Yeah. So, so we, we you know, we're it, it's if you look at most religion today, it, it's it's a fear based 
control mechanism. And there's a lot of close alignment with the state. And, of course, within the within these each respective denominations, there's always, you know, fringe movements that are, you know, uh, much more, um, uh, you know, they're much more stricter to the adherence of the original word, this, that, and the other. But when you look at it, at the, the, these big megachurches, this, that, and the other, even in Islam, Islam's a political system, right? And a it's political, political system that does not like uh, usury. That's why it's got to go. Right. Right. <laughs> it, just, I, it occurred to me one time, I was like, oh, wait, wait, they're not going to buy into the World Bank? Oh, they got to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so you know, so the, the, these are the types of different modals, of the you know, modalities of control that we're seeing in the world. It's uh, truly remarkable. Yeah, interesting. You know, you've you've uh, now you've got my wheels turning. I've got to think. It's <laughs> flush, flush it out. It's, it's fascinating. We got. We probably have to pull ourselves out of this rabbit hole just so that we can keep talking. Otherwise, I'm just gonna you know contemplate my navel and be like, wow. <laughs> so how can you be spiritual? And still, I mean, I actually struggle with that. So I, I'm a practicing Catholic sure. from the point of view more of hope than faith. I'm, I, I was not given the gift of great faith. I'm way too intellectual for that. I, I, you know, I can see the mechanisms of how these things mm. evolve. I think Pope Francis is probably an atheist. You know, I just don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But as my mother, real Brooklynite, said when I was, when I said, I don't know, Mom. I, I think I'm going to just stop thinking about it and just do it, like, for my kids. I said, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when I was 19 years old, I just said, ah, you know, perfect exit. it's a better way to live. And I just don't worry about it. So, you know, it's a better way to live if you don't let it, you know, uh, create a psychosis about yeah. your natural drives and everything. But I, I, so I look at the political structure of religion and, and how it's used and Pope Francis comes out oh. and, and makes these comments that completely support the most shallow narratives that like when he told us to pray for the Egyptian cops who were be- beheaded, which yeah. I don't know if you happen to catch that it was completely fake, like the, on the wow. shores. Remember that? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. reported yeah. on Fox news that it was a green screen. It was looped. There weren't 21 people. There were seven and whatever. And, and this guy, the Pope has uh, like the fantastic intelligence agency. If I know he knows and he still comes out against these things. So I see all the problems with it. Yeah. And uh, says communists are the best Christians as well. And uh, <laughs> he's just, you know, I don't even care if you're Catholic or not Catholic, but the Pope should be Catholic. <laughs> you know? Exactly. He shouldn't, <laughs> but, you know, he shouldn't recommend stealing. As soon as he said wealth should be redistributed by government, which is oh, forget about it. stealing and killing. You know, he's the, you can, it's very hard to find a Pope who's actually said that. I never could. Until right. this guy, assuming the translation is right. But but then I look at it all and I say, yeah, but, you know, I can't figure out the true nature of power on Earth, much less the universe. I have no idea what's going on in the fifth dimension. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I don't know how we got here, how I have a consciousness. So mm-hmm. I, can, I don't want to give up. You know, I have hope that I, there certainly has to be something totally outside my realm of comprehension. And right. how do you, you know, how do you live in hope? Of of that, yeah. you know, I just I, I like the structure. You know, my, <laughs> my, my thing is <laughs> my thing on that on that particular topic is this. Uh, I always, you know, have come to this realization. I mean, the, most of my adult life, I was I was an atheist, and uh, you know, I my basic drive was to study religious works and deconstruct it and make people look like idiots. And um, <laughs> that's and, a good you know, place to start. 
it's a great place to start. And you know, there's a many nagging things. I have a bi- you know, my original background is in, is in biology and I have oh, a big awesome. clinical nutrition. But so my whole thing was, you know, there was a lot of things that were gnawing at me from from an evolutionary standpoint. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's three theories of evolution: macroevolution, spontaneous evolution, and progressive evolution. Each one says the other two are impossible. I'm like, okay, this is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have then, to say, the idea of random mutation yeah, exactly. as being the origin of species to me is mathematically it's impossible. It's stupid. It's mathematically impossible. It's just it's mathematically I mean, that's like self-evident. Exactly. And then people are like, oh, the, you know, I got to a, a, a debate with uh, actually this guy named uh, Peter Duncan from – at that time he was working for uh, ABD. He was one of the scientists over at Applied Biosystems. They were the – the company that was actually mapping the human genome. And I was, you know, arguing intelligent design versus evolution. And uh, he got tore a new one. And he, he was like, you oh, know, yeah. Even not intelligent. I haven't even made it as far as intelligent design. I have just yeah. said that to have random mutations that accumulate yeah. before yeah. they come up with an adaptation that wipes out the rest of your species. Exactly. You, you know what I'm saying? You can't, they can't be cumulative and wipe everybody out each one at a time. So the guy with yeah. the first messed up mutation has to get the second messed up mutation and the third one and the fourth one before yeah. he has any advantage. And what's the mechanism to promote that? Exactly. And that's the whole thing. That's why they cannot, they cannot prove evolution on, on, a, on a molecular level. You look, you need nine essential uh, uh, things of aminos in order to create a, a single cell organism. And a single cell organism is infinitely, infinitely complex. And if you take these nine amino, it's the equivalent of mathematically. It's like me like taking you on a plane, blindfolding you. We're flying over the Sahara Desert. I take uh, nine grains of sand, color each one red, and I throw it out the window. And I said, okay, Monica, go find it. You're like, what? <laughs> it's the same amount of time. And then, wow. I, mean, I mean, look at like the whole transitional species thing. You, you look at like bats, right? How the hell did a bat evolve? At what point? Okay, the, 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 and the typical glib elementary school evolutionist would say, "Well, the bat evolved because of its climate, because of you know its environment." Caves <laughs> are dark. Exactly. At, at what point did the bat? See, the bat's got to figure out. He's got a lot of problems. Number one, as he's growing these wings, these random mutations that are appearing out of nowhere and hitting his <laughs> his genome, completely transforming him. As he's growing his wings, he's got to make sure that as his wings are growing out, that he could still eat. Right. He right. can still move. Now the, now the fish is, with the pointy beaks, like that seems like a, you know, I really don't know anything about biology, but I could see on the margin those, you know, single allele mutations or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's like that, that's like natural selection. That's okay. That's completely normal. Yeah, that but seems, interspecial I, jumps, I mean, how does a, like a, right. a full-winged like rodent The name of the about? book was The Origin of Species. And I'll tell you, they, I read a book, um, very simple book, a Catholic priest actually gave it to me, Makers of the Modern Minds, and it took nine people, Newton, Darwin, um, Dewey, who did the education system, and it talked about how each of these guys, whose ideas were not necessarily new, but at that moment, the, the ideas could be embraced by uh, the system or the hierarchy, the elite, or just society, and that it, it created, these were essential elements to how the modern mind thinks. And with yeah. Darwin... Uh, they say, and I think this is true. I mean, I'm not 100% intuiting this, but I, I think it is true that without Darwin, they really would not have been able to completely transfer from Christianity to secular humanism. Oh, like 1,000%. People need evolution to to not believe in God, even right. though you kind of, you know, had it all start. There's no spontaneous generation of life. Order cannot come out of chaos. Like there are a lot of fundamental laws that make you think there's something that we don't get. Right. But I but I feel like the Darwin the the Darwin thing, which is so 
self-evidence to me. I read a book. I got a book called Developmental Plasticity. I don't know why I picked it up. Some crazy textbook. And then because I was trying to figure out what the alternative was. I don't know. Now we're really it's getting ridiculous. But I so but in the introduction, it was like obviously we all have a problem with Darwinism. Like really. You get to say that to each other? (laughs) Why isn't Megyn Kelly saying that? Right. Right, exactly. And, you know, the crazy thing with all these random mutations, that specific animal, like like the bat, now he's got to, like, you know, roll the dice and find an exactly same bat that exactly (laughs) same mutated with the exactly same compatible he does. I mean, what is it? And and then their answer is, oh, that's called the hopeful monster theory. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you know, the the, 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 the dinosaur laid the egg. And yeah. The, yeah, the Franken chick grew up, and, yeah. and he was able to find another Franken chick. I'm like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, at least I, 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 I explained to you that what I have is faith and religion. You just are masquerading your religion as science. I mean, come on. Yeah, you're just making stuff up. But here's the thing, like, or the alternative, I imagine, would be that it's close enough that you can – mate with them, which actually defies the the definition of species. You can't mate and have fertile offspring. That, they, that their messed up mutations are actually dominant genes. Right. Which you wouldn't think so. And you know, I have this weird thing. You know, human beings have all these Neanderthal genes. Sure. Did you ever hear that? Isn't that weird? Like, yeah, how the does... Neanderthals are basically humans that were living a lot longer than we were because they were actually much more hardier than we were. I mean, everything you, you – like, there are certain structures within our body that continue to grow. One of those things would be your 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 uh, your your brow, okay? Yeah. Your brow, uh, your 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 jaw, your nose. These things were much more developed. Neanderthals were much bigger than us. It, they were humans. They were hundred percent humans. But they will. But when they will reconstruct them, they'll make them extra hairy, more ape-like, in order to fix their stupid theory. You know, uh, several articles I've read since I've kind of tuned into this over the years, yeah. articles in New York Times, stuff like that. So numerous articles say, oh, this humanoid we thought was like a different species actually is a human being who had a big nose. You know, <laughs> exactly. actually, isn't that funny? Yeah. And, and another weird thing that this is too much of a tangent, but I'm going to just say this one sentence. I noticed that I was trying to figure out blonde people because yeah. it's supposed to be like 20 to 40,000 years from Africa to Sweden. Right. To <laughs> you know, right? And then, right. and, but Eskimos are totally brown. So, right. uh, and they were there for like 10 or 15,000 years. So I'm trying to figure it out. And then I noticed, I was like, let me see a map. Like, who's blonde? I haven't noticed it's the exact same map as Neanderthals. <laughs> I wondered if like there was some, you know, like, I, I don't know if that means yeah, anything I mean, at all. But it, it, I think they, they would were... never talk about that because it would sound like a racial theory. Like, if, even if that's true. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I, I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It, it kind of deconstructs their whole evolutionary theory. I think, you know, man sprung upon the earth and, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, changed, uh, quite a bit. And that's why we have these different races. But yeah, I mean, Neanderthals and Europeans, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the Cro-Magnons and Asians. Yeah, totally. Cro-Magnons were basically humans as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what they're, they're seeing. There's a great, uh, sociologist also Catholic. It sounds like I do all this religious reading. I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth being a practice. <laughs> I really am. And I really, you know, it's so good for my family. And, um, I, all I do is pray for faith though, because it's so hard for me to really embrace all the, you know, I don't want to say trappings, but right. the, the rituals and stuff, you know, to, to the power that's imparted to them. We talk about like my, my daughter's like, Oh mom, if we read the Bible for 30 minutes after communion, We'll never go to hell. I'm like, I can't get my mind around, you know, <laughs> no, you rules wanna, like that. 
Right. You know what I think? I think it's it's this. Uh, what 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 one thing I figured out once I started dissecting the levels of control from from man and and what I believe God wants us to be is this. You know, th- there's a there's a. I mean, what is the first thing in Genesis that you read apart from the the first verse that you know where God's talking about the creation of the earth? It's you know, let us make man in our image, right? And when you think about that that for a second, right? Uh, let us make man in our image. Well, we, you know, my guy again, the same Intel guy, who, you know, Mr. MIT physics dude. You know, he broke it down for me in such a profound way years ago and really helped think with my own thinking, especially, you know, when I was starting looking at it from a scientific point of view. When you, like, you look at, the, like, the desk or the room that you're sitting in right now, you look at the computer that you're on right now, and it's all made of what? Matter, right? Mm-hmm. And what is matter? Matter is just basically energy slowed down that you and I could just interpret it with our five senses, right? But when you break down matter even more, Okay, uh, you 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 go into now the sub subatomic levels, and that's like who we are. Like for instance, I was thinking I was in the shower one time. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. Beyond this flesh and bone, I have cells. Beyond the cells is what it's you know is it, atoms. And what are atoms? Which are basically protons, neutrons, electrons. And what's beyond that? Now you're talking about the subatomic level. And one of the things he talked about it goes he goes V. One of the things we discovered is that your consciousness is at a sub sub atomic level. I'm like, what the hell is that? And he's like, he goes. He started the conversation with, with where are you? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, where's your consciousness? I'm like, I have no freaking clue. And he went into the theory, he went to the like, you know, multiple scientific theories as, you know, when you study like near death experiences, most people have this image. Oh yeah, I was, you know, looking at my body from the outside, yes. out, you know, mm-hmm. and your body is, you know, is basically like an, like an earth suit. It's a biological computer. Your consciousness is somewhere else. So that sub subatomic level. You are experiencing life through this, right? It's your energy. You are energy, right? Just like God. I mean, think about it. it it's, you know, there's another verse that's, that's in, in the New Testament that says, you know, um, God has made us a little lower than angels, but has crowned us with glory and honor. And I was thinking about that for a second. I was like, you know, God is, what is the attributes of God? He's creative. He's, uh, incre- you know, intelligent. He's, you know, all these things, right? And, and we talk about angels. We, we, you know, we typically think about like Hallmark cards, little baby cherubs. But you know, in the ancient Near Eastern customs and, 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 and traditions and religions, angels were powerful beings. They could like wipe out galaxies. I mean, they're, they're just just badasses, right? And <laughs> like a Lucifer. Yeah, total badass, <laughs> right? And, and, and then, and, but then he made us a little lower than angels, which caused Lucifer to get all pissed off and humming like, "What? You made these apes a little lower than me? What?" <laughs> so. So the whole thing is he made us a little lower than angels and he crowned us with glory and honor. What that means is to me, as I'm more and more I'm looking at it, the more and more scientific aspects that I'm looking at this whole entire thing, I'm starting to realize it's that we have incredible spiritual potential. You know, like 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 there was I, I remember one time when I decided to leave corporate America and I said to myself, I'm gonna make this amount of money in this month. And what I focused on, I achieved, and I went for everything. You know, like in in uh, in you know, I, I was trying out this whole YouTube thing, this whole internet thing, and I'm like, yeah, let's see where it goes. And and I just felt in my heart, you know what, I, you know, I felt like God putting it in me and say, you're going to have a media company. And out of nowhere, you know, I got two guys that you know gave me a call, like, hey man, I want to partner with you, and you know, we're former Silicon Valley guys. I'm like, whoa. Done. <laughs> so it's like it's like we are creative, powerful beings made in the image of God. And it's not about faith. It's not about hope. It's about knowing. See, once you know, it's like you know your mom loves you. There's no question about that. You're not hoping. You're not sitting there like, I right. hope my mother loves me. 
geez, I really hope my mom loves you. <laughs> this is huge, unless you got to, you know, screw it up mom. But, you know, more often than not, your mom loves you. There's no question about that, right? So in the same way, we, you know, I, we have to have that knowing of who we are. We are powerful beings that are able to influence and change the very dimension that we are living in. And we're the only animal on planet Earth that is able to do that. So we're more than just flesh and blood. That there's a higher purpose to us. And I think there's an awakening consciously, globally, with humanity that's allowing us to elevate ourselves to that next level, and the powers that be are terrified, Monica. Wow. All right. I have three things to say. Not as huge as the things that you just said. Um, that would be awesome uh, if if we are capable of that. And, and the thing that makes me think that we, you might be onto something there, is how hard they try to keep us distracted what i was going to say earlier and to, and just didn't but it's so bad is that i that i don't know how i can't figure out the nature of power on earth yeah. much less the nature of power in the universe but because i have to waste my time worrying about the nature of power on earth i cannot contemplate the nature of power in the universe and that makes me mad because that's what i think well, it's my easy is easy you, i'll give you the keys right now don't worry about the nature of power in the universe or the nature of power on the earth Start focusing about the nature of power uh, within you. Nice. Okay. And well, that, then everything unlocks. That opens the door to the, one of the things I was going to say. Yesterday, I was talking yeah. to my son. He's 11. And he's just a whiz at chess. Like, he doesn't want to play chess with me because it's it's too boring to wait for me to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> wow. So it's really messed up. So he quit. Like, he was in the chess club, and he figured out this four-move checkmate. And Whoa. In a tournament. Yeah. It's freaking amazing. He got me, like, three times. And... Uh, three times the same exact thing. Wow. <laughs> so, and so the tournament, the, the teacher told him he couldn't use it because he was like making the little girls cry. So he right. quit. You know, he quit. Oh, come on. I know. So I said, and he hates it now. And I said, look, man, I just got to tell you one thing. I'm not going to make you do it. There's like, so then there's a little chess club in my town that I think would be perfect for him. And I said, look, this is the thing. You, I think there's basically only one way to sin and it's to know the right thing yep. and not do it and right. you know as a corollary to that it's to know that god gave you a gift and that you're not using it amen that's exactly that, it that to me is the sin i said when you meet saint peter and you and he's gonna talk. He's gonna point to this moment right now, and he's gonna say, "Don't tell me you didn't know, because your mom told you." <laughs> yeah. He came back to me and he said, and he wasn't like I wasn't being a total like head case, you know. I wasn't completely freaking the kid out. He came back. He's like, "I want to do it. I want to try it." And I was like, "Okay, you don't have to do it if you, you know, if there's another problem." Okay, but so that was one thing I was gonna say. The other two things are just minor, but I, uh, I, I, one of the big struggles for me with like uh, caring about. God is that how what, what it would mean to me and my question was always this will I know my own name after my body is dead will I retain individual consciousness without a brain and then the thought occurred to me I can't even explain how I have individual consciousness with a brain exactly <laughs> you know what I mean what does the brain have to do with it I have right. the consciousness is too trippy and then finally, one thing that relates to something we said earlier, I got a, somebody sent me something, an old recording 
of Art Bell talking to some guy about a scientific military experiments in Montauk, Long Island. Sure. And in the seventies, he said he mentioned, and this was one of those guys when we were talking earlier and you're like, when, when your physicist starts talking about DNA, you know that he's a physicist. He might be full of shit, but, but he's, he's not a complete con artist. He's actually a physicist who might be messing with you for some other reason, but you know, he knows what he's talking about. So this guy was saying stuff like that about, the power of sound waves and how they oh, can yeah. transmit stuff. So I, I actually was verifying some of this stuff as we go. And sure enough, the guy was right. And he was talking about this 30 years ago and I'm looking it up now or 20 years ago. And one of the things he said was about uh, one of the things they were working on was like transporting the non-physical mind. Sure. Absolutely. And I was like, I, I, I wanted to write the guy off right then and there because that yeah. sounds, you know, kooky. Cause I'm, you know, I was, yeah. I was raised in a secular humanist world. It's so hard for me to get over any kind of social conditioning. Think outside that box. Uh, but you got to think outside the box. You have to have these conversations. And it just seemed to me that it would be awesome if, uh, you know, but I still, I really find it very difficult to think I'm going to know my name yeah. when my brain is rotten in a box. Help me. Well, here's, help the me thing. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Give me like, that. Think about this. See, I think what the problem is this. CJ, hold on. CJ. <laughs> Oh, well. you, I, I was just going to say that the um, did you ever expect that this conversation was going to be? <laughs> the- you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kicking back, relaxed, and enjoying it. And automatically, I'm thinking here that there's going to be a part two. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, because I, I know we're, I don't even think we've got to su- subject one yet. <laughs> right, right. There will definitely be a part two. It, is Trump for real? Sorry, V. Okay, I'm no sorry. Yeah, I want you to give me the answer. You know, I want you to give yeah, me so, the, the meaning to life and the universe. Here we go. I think it, this is. I think this is what it is. Right. I, I think uh, uh, the question is. I think. I think a lot of us get confused between brain. Right. Everybody has a brain. But at which point does a brain become a mind? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you ever see like your brain, you lose your brain, right? Yeah. But you're so much more than just flesh and blood. If you're an energetic being, which we are, I mean, there's so much research out there that's showing, hey, we have auras, we have yeah. this, that, yeah. there, we have, you know, we're, we are like a, a, a walking uh, transistor. Our DNA is in a helix. It's like the perfect, yeah. uh, structure for 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 energy transfer we're suspended in water i mean our body is 75 percent water i mean we are just like conduit for energy yeah right and the question is at which point does a brain which is i mean because everybody's got a brain i mean i I, you know yeah you're you're a broken girl we can go we can go into the into the pjs there's a lot of people walking around brains very few people out there have a mind i know and it's and it's definitely a deliberate thing to keep that from happening Exactly. That's where Dewey came in with the modern education. I mean, it is intentional that we shouldn't uh, cross over to that point. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. And I have see that is that is what gives me hope uh, where you say like they're terrified that this is that we're going to wake up. What gives me the, the number one source of hope for me that these um, people who you know, if you wanted to put it in terms of good and evil, I, I would, you know, the, the God that they're worshiping, you know, I think they, I don't know, like they, there's a lot of Luciferian symbolism and stuff like that. I don't know if it's sure. real or just a way to mess with people's minds, but there's definitely a battle going on. And the thing is that for us, I see, I have a moral imperative. I watched this show on HBO, which I might have to stop watching because it's just so, just makes me sick. Westworld. 
Oh, yeah, a, I heard about you know, that. It's a good that show, cool. but, you know, HBO always goes too violent. They always go too sex, too, but that doesn't, like, yeah. bum me out. The violence just upsets me, like, to condition people to want to cut each other's heads off is just, uh, you know, it's almost immoral for me to watch it. But yeah. but what they... But what they, what the premise of the show is that when you go on this vacation, it's like a Disney World kind of thing. It's a video game, really. It's really a video game you live in. And that you, that you live out your innermost desires, which is always to rape people and kill them, you know? That's and crazy, my, isn't it? Yeah. And my husband and I are watching this and he's, he's like a businessman. He's like, businessman, mm-hmm. businessman. Like there's no, this conversation, he would definitely have turned this off and put on the Grateful Dead. 45 minutes ago. <laughs> so, he's not listening to this. But um, but I said to him, I, I said that, I think that's the opposite. I think people want to be good. I don't think people want to be bad. And he said, I totally agree with you. And And that's the moral imperative. It's the nobility of man. It's what separates us from the animals that right. I think the weakness of this cabal might be that they can't even conceive of it. They don't understand that we're not a bunch of animals, so they could not possibly be prepared or their psychological experiments, which do bear fruit, ultimately will fail because they're never going to keep us from wanting to have children and loving them. Exactly, and that's the human spirit. They underestimate the human spirit. They underestimate our drive, our, 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 our absolute zest to live free, and that is to their detriment. That's why they're failing big league uh, in this world. And it might be like physiological. I, if there's plenty of evidence that these, some of these people who rise to the top, not to the gut, sink to the gutter are sociopaths. Uh, well, without no, a doubt. No conscience at all. So they, they wouldn't see. And I've known a couple of people who just like, they can lie. You know, you get, it, it's rare. I mean, I can think of maybe two people in my entire life who could just, why do you like that? Like we're for years, you know, people get stuck in these abusive relationships or whatever, because for years they're like, well, you couldn't look me in the eye and lie like that. I mean, you know, that's just, it's just not human to do that. Right. But if you have that skill, think of the heights you can reach, you know, uh, po- politics is the way to go. You know, yes. it's, any, the means justify the ends. Everybody's an accessory to a, to a sociopath's world. Yeah. And so if they're doing that and that's how they're operating, then uh, you know maybe that's also their weakness in that yeah, they don't they don't know how the rest of you know what the power is of of not of you know I was going to say community which is like the last thing this libertarian <laughs> mouth would ever say but they, yes but comrade real. I hear you <laughs> you know say that again yes comrade I hear you yes exactly so no I I, I but but actually an underlying premise of libertarianism is that there is a natural community. There is natural yeah. order. It's the self-ordering system that makes yeah. libertarianism as a political philosophy the only kind of moral answer. Because if you right. didn't have that underlying order, and I have to give you one more example. Forgive me if I go on and on, but uh, tipping. I was a waitress for years and years. Almost never. So for seven years, I would say I was a full-time waitress. I went to school during the day, but I worked five or six nights a week. Mm-hmm. And... I, in all that time, I, I can't even remember, maybe once or twice, someone not tipping me. And there's no law. I made no money. Like, you make nothing. You made $2 an hour and then the taxes. So your check at the end of the week is zero. And right. it's 100% people paying for what they're getting. No forcible. You can't even call the cops on them for not doing it. Not only is there no enforcement mechanism, there's no law. And they right. all did it. They all paid for what they got. They recognized the justice of it. 
and, or whether it's censure, they were afraid of being ostracized or yelled at. I don't know. But it's evidence of this self-ordered society, this, uh, you know, underlying human connection that I think these guys, it might be their Achilles heel to not realize there is power in that. No, oh, absolutely. One thousand percent. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and how, <laughs> you, how you came about me. this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this the beginning or the end of the interview? I'm lost. This is the beginning. <laughs> okay. All right. Just to be this clear. Is, this, is where, this is where it starts. <laughs> and then we can get into the globalists and what you're thinking is going on with Trump and all that. <laughs> what do you mean tell me a little about myself? You know more about me than anybody else I know at this point. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. I'll tell you what. Um, let, let's talk about your views on what's currently going on. Like, what's on your yeah. radar? That's a great idea. Um, look, for me, I, I was – I saw so many signs last year that that this Donald Trump thing was this a huge psyop. It started with the Kate Steinle affair in San Francisco, if you recall. It's like a murder. Who's Kate Steinle? Kate Steinle was the woman who was killed on the pier in San Francisco, supposedly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But it had all the earmarks of a psyop. And if you dug in, if you saw the guy, the immigrant who was charged with it, the news coverage, the government stuff, it was it was the official narrative did not hang together. And that is what launched Donald Trump's uh, campaign. So when for for something like that to be distorted, it's by the government and the media. I mean, why would they do that? That's a psyop. And the purpose was him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was to get Hillary elected because he's the only person who could actually lose to her. But it did it. I mean, I was absolutely gobsmacked on election day. I came in my 11 year old. He's the only person in the house watching the election. I was came in from some event, and he's like, Mom, Trump is winning. I said, ah, they're just doing that so you keep watching. I'll see you in the morning, you know? <laughs> I <wake> couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't, be- couldn't believe it. Totally, totally wrong, and I, and I really was reeling, and I, and I couldn't figure it out. And I still, you said there's a paradigm shift underway. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, like the immigration stuff. I keep waiting for him to say, oh, I completely cave on everything. Uh, now that I realize we need, you know, peace, love, everybody, come on in. I, you know, I keep waiting for some kind of, uh, you know, the same mechanisms, the same tactics to, to be put in place. But today I woke up, they're talking about cracking down on deportation and stuff like that. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I think the ultimate goal, I, I'm not ready to abandon my understanding of what uh, those with the most power and influence in the world want. I think they want world government. I think they want consolidation. It's probably going to come with a new monetary regime. Um, maybe it'll be a result of World War III. But I just, I can absolutely cannot see from here to there unless, unless these things are uh, ways to get people on uh, on board with the policies that they're rejecting. If this is a way to get people on board with, with massive immigration or to build a wall and open the door and make a North American union like uh, Heidi Cruz and, and Bill Weld wanted, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a trap like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you can really count on <clears throat> war in the Middle East as being on the top of the, you know, the top of the pile and mm-hmm. and that looks like it's proceeding at pace. Maybe that's all it's about. So, I, I mean, I just, for me, I do not, I think that something's being set up. 
I haven't yeah. abandoned my position that uh, world government is still the end game, but I simply mm-hmm. can't figure if maybe there are two competing factions who have two different oh, theories yeah. of how to get from here to there or what. I mean, that's yeah. what I'm there, trying to figure out. There's definitely two competing pa- uh, factions. I think you have uh, the Atlanticists, which are the, right. the Europeans, the, the UK. Anglo-American and, and, establishment. The Anglo, exactly, and then you have uh, the the Far East. You have the the Sino-Russian nexus. Um, there, there's. Two but what about brands. the neoconservative Israeli thing? Is that a third, no. or is that part of the Anglo-American establishment? That, that's part. Of, that is the Anglo-American establishment. That that's a Rothschild. Okay, then, then Trump's in with that right all. Trump's yeah, there, guy you, is a Rothschild. <clears throat> oh, which guy? Wilbur Ross bailed Trump out in his bankruptcies while he was the founder and head of Rothschild Inc. in New York. Oh wow! Okay. So the uh, casino things he got Trump got bailed out four times. I think once by George Soros, which is like another thing. Like you kind of at this point, I kind of want to believe that Soros that there's a two factions within that faction. You know what I'm saying? Right. That you know, there's there's a there's like two two articles I wrote on Rogue Money. Um, one is um, uh, American Maidan, part one, and then yeah. American Maidan uh-huh. part two, which is a reference My, to the Ukraine uh, yeah, color revolution set up by exactly. Soros. Exactly, which, which you know, one of the things that, you know, I think I, I warned about this back in like 2015, that color revolutions are, are coming to the United States. Yeah. And, um, and lo and up, you know, lo and behold, it's here. Yeah. My thing will really, look, I see so many things happening, and Trump really needs to step up and solidify who, who you know, what's really going on, number one. Number two, right. if I don't see in the next few months George Soros taken out, if yeah. you don't see any major arrests occurring, uh, with top individuals and people, yeah. Then, then we've been conned, right? That's the way I see it right now. It's like we've been conned. Really? It, 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 if I, if I don't see Soros, well, I mean, Putin has the balls to uh to put an international arrest warrant out for for Soros, but he cannot yeah. freeze his assets. Now you're telling me with you know with Trump, you know, who has access right now to the NSA, he has access to that to to you know, which basically can tell you exactly all the phone calls that Soros has done, where his assets are hiding. I mean, we got. Th- I mean, if I'm able to dig up dirt on Soros and put it together in an article, these guys could surely do it. You know. Well, why do you not do you not want him to do uh, to try Hillary? I mean, I'm not suggesting that they do, but like that, they're all, they're all connected. Like for instance, that would like, be in the same boat. Yeah. One of the things I wrote about is, is that is is the connection between Soros and Carlos Slim. There's a huge connection there. They're, they've been involved in the in, in what I call the cocaine corridor. They've been involved in businesses that 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 are centered around banking, uh, at construction, and logistics, which is perfect. What you need for in order to transport drugs and to launder the money. Yeah. Okay. And they've been up and down Colombia, Panama. Uh, they've been in you know uh, other Central American countries in Mexico. I mean, there's a new airport terminal built by Slim. Okay. <laughs> I Soros in the bag. I mean, I mean, it's disgusting. Okay? It, it, it's I disgusting. And as and, and Soros lost a billion and a half trying to fight Trump, he lost over over yeah. a billion and, and almost two billion trying to fight Putin. And Putin is just way too smart for Soros. He's he's outgamed him. He's uh, you know kicked him out, you know, and 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 stopped his uh, his NGOs. And um, so you know, Putin could stop. You know, he, he can put an international arrest warrant in where you know if Soros shows up in Russia, he gets arrested on site. But he doesn't have the mechanisms to freeze Soros's assets, and in order to do that, you need to have control of the Fedwire and you need to have control of SWIFT, both of which Trump can do. 
So yeah, my thing is, I, the next couple of months, yeah. if I don't see a Soros arrest, if I don't see somebody, if I don't see a Clinton Easter going down, if I don't see a big name fall in the next couple of months, this has all been a bunch of horse crap. Well, I'll tell you, I think that the Soros thing, uh, it, it, I look when this immigration thing came down this morning about de- when it actually looks like he's doing stuff. And if he fixes yeah. like the Muslim ban, I- I'm not saying I approve of those policies, but my initial well, impression let's call was it the travel pause. Let's call it the travel pause. It's not a ban. Okay. <laughs> travel pause. Very good. But the re- it was very ham handed. Like as soon as I read that executive order, just from my, my law school experience, I was like, this is a completely un- unenforceable. Like this is just a bomb. This is just in there. This is a landmine. Why would they, anyone write it like this? Had to be on purpose. So I thought maybe he was blowing himself up on purpose by trying to look like he's fulfilling his campaign promises and actually burning bridges everywhere. So I want to see how that comes out. It seems like he continues to go down the path he said he was going to go down. So that makes me wonder what's really going on. But my original kind of counter hypothesis was that, and this I think might play out with the European elections, is especially the way Europeans think about this stuff. If you show this American Nazi and then you have, uh, you, you can really ignite that the, uh, liberal masses to say, holy crap, we need globalism. Like we have to have a world government over Trump. We can't push down to the states like the 10th yeah. Amendment tells us we can because then, you know, our slaves could escape to other states, you know, like right. socialism requires internationalism or people can escape, you know, the brains can escape. That's why I wonder if that's what they want wall for. But if they uh, if they can scare them, enough, you know, that, that maybe, you know, my theory is just a possibility that Trump will play into Soros's world government hands simply by scaring the EU, which is his project, back into cohesion. Yeah. Uh, that's just, but but I but that that theory does not, you know, I, I like you, I'm waiting to see if if Trump is really changing direction. If there is a horseshoe, if there's a paradigm shift, I, I'm really scratching my head and thinking maybe yeah. the neocon faction is not aligned with the Anglo American faction. Right. You know, there it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of infighting in the West between the Atlanticists, the Anglo-American faction, the neocons, uh, the, all these – the neolibs. All this is happening in the West, and at the same time with all their hubris, they still think that they're the center of the world. The problem is, though, is this. The sort of Damocles that, that hangs over the head of this entire Western infighting is the movements in the East. The, the sort of Damocles is the new Silk Road is the One Belt, One Road initiative. The sort of Damocles is the Shanghai gold price fix. It is the, 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 the energy deals that have been, that have been uh, agreed upon by Russia, by China, by Iran, by India, by the rest of the world. I mean, the sort of Damocles is like the BRICS. Even Granted, you know, uh, Brazil was taken out by a CIA coup, yeah. Dilma Rousseff, uh, and uh, Joseph Zuma had to face a lot of infighting from uh, Western uh, um, proxies as well in South Africa. You know, the BRICS are still, it's, you know, it's 105 nations. Uh, you know, the, 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 the AIIB. Exactly. And, and, and then you look at the AIIB, which China created as a counter to the IMF. And who's been funding the IMF for the last two years? It's China. And that's why Christine Lagarde, whom I've been calling for years, and CJ can verify this, I've been calling her for years, the giraffe-necked woman of the IMF. And ever since then, all of a sudden, she started wearing scarves. CJ noticed this. 
<laughs> she really did. It was like the same he time. He just uh, decided to take it aside just to take a shot at her. Yeah. Yeah. Every time that was said on the radio, it just started. I have a question, though. Yeah. I here's the here's the thing where all that where I, I start looking at the top of the mountain and I and there's just a big you know there's fog between me I can't see up there through the clouds is that there if you look at like the history of the Rockefellers Nixon Kissinger all promoting China our policy always helping China even Mao I think was a Yale or a CIA operative through some uh, Yale outpost and then you look at Putin who was put in by Yeltsin who was put in by Bill Clinton you know was put in I, by I, Rockefeller Yeltsin was or who was put in by Rockefeller there all are <laughs> Yeah R- Russia oh, was, was a, put in by Rockefeller okay right. yes yeah, so they they these people were creations, you know, of the West, of the Rockefellers and that whole cabal. And mm-hmm. I don't ever buy, like, the ISIS theory, oh, well, we created them, but then they went rogue, and now we have to go there and blow oh, no. up the Middle East, which we wanted anyway. I, I mean, uh, ISIS was about to get their asses stomped right near the Lebanon, uh, the, the Lebanese border, and who comes into the rescue to bomb the Syrian Arab army as they're cornering ISIS? Israeli Air Force. The IDF oh, comes yeah. in and bombs the Syrian Arab environment. How convenient. They've you know? been holding back until I guess they absolutely had to do it. But yeah, that all but I'm just saying, like with China and Russia, they only got where they were because of this high cabal. And do you put any any credence in the random quotes or Zbigniew Brzezinski's books that talk about bringing the East up, um, deindustrializing the West in order there that there can be convergence, the whole Brzezinski's idea that Eurasia is the has to be the center of power and it's a battle between I don't know I don't know who's who's even left on the other side of the battle. I see what you're saying about Putin and, and China. Is are they are there any Rockefeller elements there undermining the no. Chinese none left, do you think? Mm-mm. Here's what happened. The uh, the Chinese, you see, the the the, the Atlanticists, the, the Western powers and their hubris and their arrogance thought they they could do their own little social engineering in Russia. You look at the Bolshevik Revolution. None of them were Russians. None of the leaders of the Bolshevik Russians uh, uh, movement were Russian. Look at Stalin. wasn't even Russian. Killed fifty four million Russians. He was a Ukrainian. Uh, Mao. Okay, you look at Mao. And yeah, they've you know China's had horrific human rights issues. This, that, and the other. Um, at some point. They have kind of bit the hand that feeds them. Like when you look at Yeltsin, okay, when Yeltsin came to power, when the Soviet Union finally collapsed, they put Yeltsin in, and everybody thought, "Oh, this is hunky dory. We got our puppet in." And Russia became a fail, pretty much a failed state. You know, you had rampant hyperinflation, right. red lines right. the whole nine yards, and its entire industries, its its mineral wealth. Right. They its just carved wealth, it up, gave it to the oligarchs. Exactly, and then they, they then you know Yeltsin, the drunk, could no longer hold office, so they had to call. They needed somebody to replace him. So lo and behold, they, they, they see this career KGB colonel, lowly, shy little Putin, little, shy, quiet little Putin. Here he comes, and they've made him the new uh, prime minister of, 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 or the president of Russia. And they you know, said everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be hunky-dory. They had no idea the guy was an actual patriot. They have no idea that, again, Russian cultures that Russians do not forget. They've never forgiven the Rothschilds over what they've done with the Bolshevik Revolution. Never forgave them. So what happened? They Putin comes to power, 
and starts cracking down on the oligarchs. He started jailing them, seizing their assets, throwing them out of the country, destroying them one by one, throw out the Rockefeller and the Rothschild banks, killed at least one or maybe even three of the uh, uh, Rothschilds, uh, one of which I could verify. He, they hung him in Iran uh, in Town Square, which is pretty remarkable. Um, that was huge. And and that started to become the the uh, the 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 convert the, the the total change of this whole entire thing. And then, of course, China. Right? You look at China; they are all integrating out of the West now. The Western Atlantis, who've, who've initially you know created this, now again they've underestimated what human culture and the human spirit. Hmm. The Chinese are like historically we're the Middle Kingdom. We precede you guys by thousands of years. You you guys <laughs> in the West are a blip on the radar. Because we were, you know, we were the center of civilization. We invented so many things. We're not going to allow our birthright to be squandered by by a bunch of far off bureaucrats that live in another continent. It's not going to happen. And now you look at China. You know, they economically. You know, you talk to most Americans. Oh, China makes Nike Air Jordans in a sweatshop. No, the the biggest sector in the Chinese economy is not. It's not manufacturing. It's actually banking. Three of the five biggest banks on the planet are Chinese. Okay, and 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 then. When you look at what they're doing, they're they're completely shifting out of the dollar. They're buying gold at an alarming rate, and the Russians are doing the same thing. That's why the sanctions. One of the reasons why the sanctions had no effect on the Russians because number one, they're trading with China. That's why Obama's stupid TPP is a joke. How can you have a trade agreement without China in it? Yeah, that's preposterous. Well, my my thinking was that it had they had the Atlantic one and the Pacific one, and they would just they had the provision where they could just plug. Yeah. Russia or China and later, but you're saying that was wishful thinking. That was wishful thinking, and I'll tell you why it's wishful thinking. You look at the G7. They call them, oh, the, the, the G7. I call them the insolvent seven. What is it? <laughs> it, is the, it is a collection. Uh, they're totally indebted to those it, people. It and nothing explains Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia should not Saudi's be done. tanking. They're done. The, the, the outhouse of Saud is, is what they're, they're going to be called. They're yeah, I mean, done. They were really important to the petrodollar, and nothing really explains why they're, you know, if if the Atlanticist powers are in total control, yeah. I don't I don't see how how they would let that very important tool start to slide like. Well, that. I'll tell you how the how how it started to slide. You, they have six major wells. The biggest well is the Gowar well, which was discovered in 1948. That's the biggest well they have. Right now, I have from good sources. One of the guys that writes for me on on uh, on Rogue Money, we call him the Prince. You know, I, we know his real name, and I'll tell you uh, a little bit more details about that. Uh, you know, off the air, but he's connected to the uh, to the royals. He's connected to a lot of the royalty in the Middle East, and the Gawar well is right now pumping ninety percent water. So most of the water they're pumping in to extract oil is coming right back out. It's coming right out. Right, they're running out of it. That's why that's why Saudi Arabia got into a, 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 into an energy war. It's a resource war. They got into the resource war. It made no with sense. The I mean, right to go I, after Syria. My, my theories about. That at first I thought they let the oil slide to um, make Russia suffer, and then Putin started buying up oil resources. I was like, "Oh, that's like the classic <laughs> crash the market so you can buy it all up." I was like, "This if Putin, if he plays his cards right, will end up on top as a result of this." Yes, so absolutely. again, you know, it just didn't make sense. But I, I'll, uh, you make some excellent points. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I'm trying to get my mind around this, what does yeah. appear to be a paradigm shift. And it if is. they're changing tack in the West because they see that that is failing, then, uh, I mean, that could explain it. Although I, I, I can't help but feel that what Trump is doing when it comes to 
uh, if you throw out all the workers, we our wages will go up without increased productivity. You're gonna, you're, he's gonna blow tons and tons of money on infrastructure, lower taxes in what what might be a non-growth environment if you throw out all the, the cheap labor. Then you've got insane debt. It, 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 the the trade um, deals are one-off things look very cronyistic to me. It's it's again gonna lower our standard of living. This seems to me like a way to tank our economy so that. Uh, they can get out of their zero interest rate and perpetuity world and blame it on a conservative. It seems like old paradigm thinking on my part, but yeah. I, but what what Trump's doing doesn't seem to me the answer to the Sino-Russian alliance. It seems yeah. like a deliberate um, fail, but it could be you know another peel the onion thing where Soros and the EU, and then and then you also have that Germany is the center of the EU. The UK is in competition with Germany always for that regional hegemony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so what explains, you know, if if I thought the West were really trying to win, what explains Trump? I mean, do you think that he's going to make America great again? I mean, and what does that yeah. mean? Economic prosperity for all? Like, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I think the best thing that could happen, I think, you know, to the run up to the elections, one of the things that I, I, I spoke about was, if Hillary Clinton got, it's, it's like being in a plane, right? We're about to crash. There's a mountain on one side. There's a rice paddy on the other. And if Hillary Clinton got into that plane and she was the one who was the pilot, she would have just flew us right into the mountain and that would be the end of all of us. Okay, She would have tipped off a war because she's a psycho, crazy, sick person. Yeah, Hillary. Yeah, Hillary. She would have tipped off a war with the Russians, which we would not win. We and, would have our asses handed to us on a silver platter. And there it might have been at the end of a very useful um, you know, left-right paradigm, two-party, oh. psyop kind of thing. Like That would have been the exactly. end. Exactly. Sorry exactly. You. you know, and, and you know, the Russians are, are two generations ahead of us in missile technology. They got us beat on so many different levels militarily. We would have got our asses kicked. There's no way we'd win. Uh, so then I said, if Trump got in, he's going to crash the plane. But instead of hitting the mountain, we're going into the rice paddy. It's going to be a rough landing. The landing gears might come off. Uh, There's going to be a lot of shaking. Sparks might fly. Maybe some old people will die because they had a heart attack. They freaked out too much. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, we get to you know slide down the chute. And live. Right. Because the, right. the debt in this country has to get dealt with. He's got to crash the markets. He's got to overheat it. He's got to crash it because there's way too much debt. It's, there needs to be a global economic reset uh, with the debt of the United States. This, this market's got to go. It's fictitious. It's fake. There's nothing real about it. There's no valuations. I mean, there is – I don't see any way that – and he maybe hinted on the, at this during the campaign – uh, you know, we could just restructure the debt. You know, I just, I don't see any way for us. You can't restructure to, $200 trillion. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to, uh, you know, that's what I think is the, the paradigm shift is that, you know, you, you default on it or whatever, you know, however yes. you're going to call it. It can't, you can't just pay it off, especially if you're headed into increasing deficits. I mean, there has to, the debt, there has to be an end game there and you, are you saying you think that he has an answer, like a, a real answer? I, I, I think there is no easy answer. But I, the, all I'm all I'm suggesting the best thing that he could do to inoculate us from a from a devastating economic crash is to build up our infrastructure, get the manufacturing oh. back, get the, oh my god, that, that and then get and then start reverting us into a into a and perhaps even bring back the you know classical gold standard from 1870 to 1913. Why? Because he's a patriot. 
Um, why? Who's he working for? Himself? Us? Like that sounds I, like I, a. I, a I, I think yeah, because, I think I think he is. I mean, the verdict is, is still out. Let, you know, let's, right, let's, okay. let's get, you know, let's give the the you know the the guy some time Here's to a work. Yeah, yeah. you know. So uh, that's the only thing that can he, save us. If if he if he, he can't do yeah. those things, then we're screwed. He reminds me a lot of his rhetoric. People are like, oh, he's Hitler. I'm like, I don't. I, the rhetoric nah. doesn't remind me of Hitler. It reminds me. It does, there are some elements of Mussolini in it, though, in that <laughs> corporate government work together. I'm serious and. And Mussolini's, uh, Mussolini, I think, co- coined the term or introduced the concept of autarky, like A-U-T-A-R-K-Y, autarky. And the idea was that you as a nation should be self-sufficient. And that's why you want to produce everything at home. And my answer to that was the only reason to really do that is if in your, you're in a state of um, isolation, you know, like mm-hmm. you can't. You, don't, you you can no longer rely on comparative advantage for the economic efficiencies. You have to produce everything yourself because otherwise you might starve to death. And mm-hmm. and if you know if that's what these signals are, I mean, if what you're saying is that you know if the petrodollar's over and there's new, you know, the SDR or whatever takes its place, then all those dollars, I assume, unless I'm looking at it wrong, go come home, <laughs> and then you cannot trade. You know, you're, you're right. going to have this insane inflation and you really aren't going, you have to produce everything at home because that's right. the only place where your money isn't monopoly money. Bingo. And, and on top of that, the only way you could, you, you could get anything paid, you'd have to come out with a, with a, with a two currency system where you have a domestic currency, which right. would be devalued anywhere between, you know, 60 to 80%. And then you have a, an international trade currency that could be commodity backed at some percentage, you know. Uh, where right. that could be devalued, you know, twenty to forty percent. That's the only way out of this whole entire Dude, mess. Until we now get you're scaring back. the crap out of me. First, <laughs> <laughs> I was super hopeful. I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're like made of stardust, and we're going to defeat the evil Luciferian power in the city of London." Oh, I'm and still hopeful, like, but here's the thing: oh my in gosh, every transition, I'm, gonna, beautiful- I'm getting tinfoil from my windows. I'm totally, I'm buying a gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But but the whole thing is this: it's like with every uh, with this major transition and. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a major correction. I think the more educated, the more prepared that we are, the better off we can, uh, you know, um, you know, come out of it. Uh, there's going to be so many opportunities. You see what I'm saying? It's like it's it's it's. I think there's a there's an opportunity here for the free market to really spring forth, getting rid of these uh, regulations. If we can start getting this economic engine running again. It'll be a beautiful thing. But there are challenges. But in, that being said, we will never going through this process. We will never become us be the superpower that we are. We'll never be at the head of head of the table. The West is right now on the outside looking in, and that's where they will be. Dude, all right. If this is the end of our conversation, I, I, you, you ha- I, I hope that you can give me one more hopeful. Like, okay, let, let's think of something more cheerful. Like, uh, <laughs> I will gi- I'll give you one. I'll give you one. What's your favorite character? I'll, I'll give you one. And this stems back to part of the earlier conversation. And, and this is what kind of you know keeps me optimistic. So I'm, I'm, the, I'm the father, proud father of a son with autism. And I'm very proud that, that Trump is really leading forward to ask you know, Robert Kennedy – to head up a new vaccine safety panel to truly look at what could be destroying humanity. Yeah. Interesting. And I have to say, I have, I, we connected about this CJ that I have a son who has down syndrome and I actually, I was so freaked out. Like when um, you know, Pope Benedict had a 15 year old cousin with down syndrome who the Nazis just disappeared. They never saw him again. And then, um, 
you know, when you feel this culture of death, I guess is what my, my mother calls it, but I get, I get worried. And, um, I actually got that my son and everybody Irish citizenship, my grandpa, my grandparents were Irish and I was able to get Irish citizenship for everybody because I was so worried about that culture of death. So maybe if there's a, you know, real paradigm shift, perhaps we have, um, we'll have a renewed appreciation for that life force, that thing that makes us human. It was quite a lesson to me to understand my son who has Down syndrome. I'm so intellectual. Like it, it was hard for me to even understand what really defined um, that, that sanctity of life, that, you know, specialness of hum- humanity uh, when he was born. And then he's really taught me a lot about that. Like his um, true, what they call in theological circles, intellectual, you know, the brilliance of his intellect and mm-hmm. a like spiritual sense that, um, right. you know, maybe we, maybe uh, if, if, if the paradigm is shifting, it perhaps can, cannot be bad to turn away from thinking of people like animals. Right. Well, you know, and, and Monica, what you said is exactly true. And my son taught me a lot about myself too. Um, so in, in terms of, you know, why I'm looking at it, that the earlier conversations around the globalists, the, the, the Rothschilds, and I think to, I've always believed that to them, humanity has been their greatest threat. That they've, they've always been at wanting to control society. That's why they, uh, the last several, eight years, they've openly just flooded the gates with, you know, government welfare. It's, it's the plantation. To me, it's been the plantation of wanting to control humanity. And this election cycle, regardless of, you know, Donald Trump, it, to me, it's more around the thoughts of electing someone outside of the political class. It's getting someone that has not been in that political establishment for years on years where we've been led to believe that we truly had a choice of, you know, it, it's been the left right paradigm. That's true. It's not there. They are, yeah, they report and they work for the same people. So to me, that's what, you know, <clears throat> Trump as a person, you know, yeah, I get it. And I understand why people are very hesitant. I get that. But to me, it's more that it's, it's, it's it's the hope that that humanity is is rising and that at the end of the day that we'll be able to you know something that rogue money always talks about is that we control the narrative yeah. post collapse of what happens absolutely yeah the genie might be out of the bottle as far as empowering the individual and thoughts that are outside the box even if even if it wasn't meant to be but control the narrative after okay all right, that'll be. Uh, I'll consider that a um, a, a good goal, yeah. a focus, because this this thing is really. Uh, I'm trying to make sense of it. I'm trying to crack the code. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's going to be. Uh, I mean, did you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you. Oh, cool. All right, I thought I lost audio for a second, but yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there. You know, it, it's strong medicine. It's strong medicine we're going to take. But you know what? I I'm totally optimistic about it. And I think, uh, I think it's, there's going to be a lot of opportunities because look, you know, if all we have to go through is going is to go through an economic reset, okay. Where there's going to be some bumps on the road. And if we have the infrastructure, the, the economic engine of America humming again, you know, we'll, we'll make it, you know, we'll make it, but it's so much better than the reality we were facing. It was to the point like, you know, yeah. CJ, I was about to leave the country. I was like, if Hillary's in, I'm out. No, I know. I know the feeling. I was worried for my son, really. I mean, Down syndrome is considered a choice now. I'm like, and, and an antisocial one where people yeah. will actually shut you down, like on your Facebook and stuff. Like, I'm paying for your kid and my kid doesn't get music lessons now. It's like, I, no, you're not. <laughs> but whatever. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I hear you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I think, see, yeah, was- and, there, and there's one other thought around that in terms of our, our roots, you know, Rogue Money and, and yourself as well, is that in terms of the, the anarcho-capitalists that are out there, is that, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in almost – non-existent in terms of government. I believe in participation in government should be completely, you know, voluntary. However, in saying that there's got to be a step along the way, you just cannot completely take a society and say, poof, government's gone. <laughs> no, we're not ready. No, no, no. That's yeah, we're not I, ready for I that as a society. So there needs to be, there needs to be some stepping stones that happen Absolutely. along the way to help, to educate, to get people to understand what that looks like, what it feels like. And, and, and they've been, you know, they've been conditioned so much by the the MSM, by the the federal government, to believe that the government is there for a good thing. So <laughs> hopefully, as as a society, we can move forward to understand that the sooner that we get government out of the way, the sooner that we can progress as a society. So we come full circle, and where our emphasis needs to continue to be, principles. Uh, are the touchstone. We need to understand them. We need to apply them. We need to hold people to those standards and, uh, and not give up that fight because we do have that liberty impetus, that moral imperative that you can't kill. Liberty will always bubble up, uh, you know, to any little new baby who's born is going to have that. They cannot push that out. Right. Absolutely. Monica Perez, the woman, the, <laughs> Thank you. See, it was so, so fun. It was so fun talking uh, yeah. to you guys. Love yeah, it. We need to do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Absolutely. Fun. Take it away, CJ. 